plate. So I don't know if you caught that. That's I thought what an appropriate video to show when we're uh, learning about the Good Samaritan, and and that's someone's modern day take on on what the Good Samaritan story is all about. I, I don't know if you caught that, but the guy that ended up helping um, the the larger bloke that his mates turned on was the original bloke that got beat up by that same bloke at the start of the video. So I think that was a rather appropriate video and a modern day take on on the Good Samaritan story. Um, thank you to those who read the scripture. Um, did we all catch catch what was what they read? Yeah. Um, because I'm going to focus um, on the start of the story where the girls uh, was it the girls was there yep two girls thank you ladies where he um, spoke about the story where there was this theological discussion that started um, between and I'm going to call him the lawyer the lawyer but he was you know he was this guy who knew his stuff but he 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 introduces this discussion that he wants to catch up with Jesus about and. He's asking, you know, what is necessary to achieve eternal life? Now, as Jesus does all through the Gospels, rather than actually answer that question, he replies with another question, or actually replies with two more questions. So he's really putting the focus back on this, this so-called guru of the law. Um, so he says, you know, well, what is written in the law? And then he follows it up with, you know, well, how do you read it? Or what he's actually saying is, how do you interpret it? I think there's some pretty, pretty key questions that Jesus is asking back to this lawyer. Um, and there's also some practical lessons that Jesus is trying to point out here for the lawyer who knows the law so well. Um, now, just by the nature of the question, can I make two observations that I've made myself? Firstly, that the lawyer has actually missed the point entirely um, because... He's suggesting that he can achieve eternal life um, through his own works. So that's my first observation on the question. And my second observation is that the lawyer has realised that he isn't fulfilling the law. So he, he all of a sudden finds himself attempting to justify his position because he knows that he's not living the life that the law requires of him. Let's look at some of the lessons which have unfolded here in our own lives. So... Firstly, let's look at the latter observation that I made with the lawyer justifying the stance. So the question is a calculated one because the lawyer was trying to actually ask who can be excluded from one's love. That's what he's really asking. He's trying to justify it by saying, well, who is my neighbour? But what he's really saying is, well, who don't I have to feel bad about by not loving them? That's what he's really kind of trying to ask Jesus here. Jesus' response in the parable exposes this position through the example that he gives with the priest and the Levite. Because perhaps, let's think about their position, perhaps they justified their decision to continue to walk past the, the man that was beat up on the road. For whatever reason that is, let's, let's delve into that. It could have been possibly being a priest and a Levite. The Levites did a bit of work in the temple area. It could have made, if they went and helped, it could have made them unclean. So they would have had to go through that whole process again to get clean again. So they just thought, oh, well, someone else will worry about that. So they cross the road and keep walking. Perhaps, perhaps they thought, well, I possibly could understand this. Perhaps they thought, well, what could I offer this person? I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. I don't have the tools to help him. He's probably already dead anyway. I, I won't bother checking, but he's probably already dead anyway. Or if he's not dead, 
it's only a matter of time before he passes. Perhaps that's what they thought, and they're justifying their position to, be, to cross the road and just continue to walk. Perhaps, like some of us here might um, appreciate, is that you know, we're quite busy in our lives, and we come to this moment where we're faced with a decision. We're either going to be late for, for our appointment, or we're going to stop and help this bloke that's laying on the ground that's beaten, naked, and almost dead. Can I suggest that, well, speaking on behalf of myself, but ask the question to yourselves, would you have done the same thing? I certainly know that I have justified myself from time to time, but have you, would you have done the same thing? Be honest with yourself. Perhaps they were scared for their own safety. I don't know about you, but, you know, I don't find a habit in walking the streets of Townsville at one in the morning and if I do find myself at, or driving at one in the morning, if I do find that there's a bit of an accident or something on the side of the road, what's my first response? And I can guarantee you it's not, oh, let's just stop here and help this person because you start to worry about your own safety. You've got your kids in the car. You, so you're justifying your stance with, I don't need to help that person because you know, I've got my own concerns to worry about. So can I make the suggestion that possibly we all may have at some stage done what the priest and the Levites may have done. I think it's a fair call. Um, now, Jesus used this parable because he brought up the fact that a good Samaritan came to the need, the rescue of, of this bloke. And, and I'm assuming that the bloke that was beat up is Jewish. Um, just by the story, it indicates that he, he may have been Jewish. But I don't know if you know, but the Samaritans and the Jews, you know, they didn't exactly skip along the road singing, singing songs together. Samaritans were actually, we had some discussion in the office on Friday with Major Beth, and Samaritans were actually half-bred. They were half-Jew and half-Gentile. And because of this, the Jews rejected them, totally rejected them. They thought they were unclean. Jews didn't want anything to do with them. And as you could appreciate, when someone doesn't reject you, you take on that and say, well, you know, same, same rules apply. We're not going to try and get on with you. So, so by Jesus using the Samaritans, it's, it's really throwing it in the face of, of the lawyer by saying, you know, here's a Samaritan that's reaching out to this guy and yet all of you pass it up. Now look, it's no coincidence that uh, Paula says, oh, can you do it? Can you preach next week? And I say, I'll think about it. Then that afternoon the email says, Phil's happy to do it. Some, somewhere in between there was a lost in translation somewhere, but, but we'll run with it. I'm good with that. Um, but the start of this week as I'm, you know, mulling over the, the message, as you do, um, it's no coincidence that um, I was put in a situation where I started to justify my position on a certain um, thing that happened in our life. Now, you all know I've got two kids, Tom and Blake. Blake's the smaller of the two. Um, he, was, he was involved in a little bit of an incident at school um, where it turns out he had a big bump on the side of his head, bruising, 
been up the office with ice um, and the incident happened to have another child involved. Um, so being the dad, I got the phone call from the school and I was on the way into the school anyway. When I found out that there was another kid that might have pushed Blake into a pole and he's hurt his head and, and I saw red, I'll be honest, I saw red and I wanted justice served. Um, I found myself driving to school to, to find out what the damage was because Blake's had a long history of um, the sick lady ringing me and saying, oh, Blake's broke a collarbone or Blake's passed out or Blake's... So, I, so Joe rings and I'm like, hey, Joe, I haven't heard from you for a while. But anyway, <laughs> but his history of getting hurt, um, she tells me that he's been involved in an incident with another kid. I straight away found myself in the position like the, the priest and the Levite where I started to justify the feelings that I started to have. Um, I was justifying my position to start to entertain anger and rage as a dad. I was justifying my, my position to start to hate this other child because there has been a history between those two, never physical, but there's been this history between my child and this other child last year. So I started to say, oh, it's okay because oh, we've tried to be the holy Christian, how great we are, family, and we've tried to put our hand out, but this is the last straw and I've had enough and I'm going to make sure I get in there and that school knows that I'm not happy. I, I was justifying my position even though I know that that's not the person that God's called me to be. Just like the priest and the Levite, I found myself in this position. And the question I'm going to ask you is a question that I want you to know that it's a question that I've asked myself as well. So I'm not asking you to you know, think about this question any more than what I've already had to think about it just this week and in years gone by. So the question is, are you in the habit of justifying your position when it comes to who we should show love to? Love looks like different things. It could be befriending someone, it could be hanging out with someone, it could be simply praying for someone that really gets on your nerves. But have you or are you in the habit of justifying your position when you're deciding who you're going to, you know, put a loving hand out to and reach out to? That's a decision I... That's a question I had to ask myself and I had to do some serious soul-searching on that one because I was struggling with it. And I can guarantee if you are a person who finds yourself in that situation, it's a struggle. It's real. So, good question to ask yourself. So that's the... the one of the observations. The other observation is with the statement that the lawyer makes that he can achieve eternal life through his own works. Bit of a problem with that statement, I, I feel anyway, but if your motives are based on the presumption that if I do good works, it will make up for all the bad things that I've done, or perhaps that my good works will make me a better person, or perhaps for some of us who have lived or grow, grown up in the church, perhaps that my good works are going to make me a better Christian or, or I kind of succumbed to temptation yesterday so, so I'll just make up for it. If you have that train of thought, can I suggest that we look at Mark 7 where it explains that 
we aren't defiled by the outward expressions, but rather we're defiled by the condition of our heart. So the outward stuff isn't what makes us, um, isn't what defiles our hearts. It's not the outward stuff. That's just an expression of the real problem, which is actually in our heart. The things that you and I see in others or the things that you and I struggle with every day are the outward expressions. You know, for blokes, we struggle with different things than what the ladies do, but we all struggle with something. They're the outward expressions of the actual problem that's actually here in our heart. The issue is, is that we're born with this attitude of rebellion where we, we just, by nature, want to push God away. You see it all the time. We're always trying to push God away. The very nature, so we push him away or we don't want to believe in him or we start believing the lies that other people say just to make ourselves, and that's that justifying our position again. So the very nature of the lawyer's statement, what can I do to achieve eternity, is actually saying, I don't need you because I can reach eternity on my own. That's the flaw in his statement. Ephesians 2 tells us that it is only by God's love and mercy. Mercy is kindness, forgiveness, compassion, sympathy. There's a whole heap of other words, but it is only by God's love and mercy that we are saved. It is by his grace that we are saved. You see, good works do not lead us to being saved. The scripture is telling us that, that they don't lead us to being saved. Good works don't change the actual real issue, and that's our defiled hearts. <coughs> Good works are just that. They're just good works. All you're going to get is a pat on your back and say, oh, great job, mate, you made someone feel good, but really the issue is still here. Good works don't lead to salvation, but rather salvation leads to good works. The verse 8 of Ephesians says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is nothing we can do but a gift from God, not by works. It goes on to explain that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You see, I go back to good works don't lead to salvation, but rather salvation leads to good works. That's what God's called us to. Salvation is a gift which is given to each and every one of us. Regardless of how old we might feel, Regardless of if we're this big, you little ones, regardless of if we're adults, regardless of if we're 60, 70 years old, salvation is a gift which is given to every one of us. Whether we think we deserve it or not, it's still a gift that we can access. I think that's pretty special. The only condition that's placed on this gift is that we have to receive it. The only condition. In a world where we have to earn our way to the top, in a world where in our career or our work life to get to the next position, we have to do stuff and we have to do stuff and we have to prove our value. We have to go to an interview and tell them why we're such a good person. We've all done that. The world tells us that that's the way we get success, but and that's, that's what the lawyer's statement is. What can I do to achieve eternal life? But the actual gift isn't something we can earn. It's already given to us. We just have to receive it. That's crazy in our society. And that's, that's a gift that every one of us here can get. That's pretty special.
As I invite the worship team to come up, I want to close with the statement at the end of the parable when Jesus asks the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man? The lawyer replied, the one who had mercy on him. It then says that Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now look, if you can identify with the Good Samaritan, if you're sitting there thinking you can identify with the Good Samaritan, I want to encourage you to continue to press into God and I pray that you will grow in your understanding of the cost that God spent on you. Continue to grow in that understanding because you're important to him. I pray that you will continue to allow the Spirit to guide you and for you to continue in the good works that have been prepared for you in advance because of your salvation. If you're struggling to show others mercy and struggling to go and do the do, when he said go and do, if you're struggling with that, maybe you can identify with the priest or the Levite. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, actually, I can identify with those people. Are you distracted by your own life or struggle? Do you find to find time in your busy schedule? Maybe you're caught up in your own world and your own problems that miss the opportunity to help those around you. Or perhaps you have unhealthy relationships that are allowing you to foster anger and hurt and all of those negative things. If that's you, I want to encourage you, while we sing the last song, encourage you to spend some time with God. The front's always open, but I'm happy for you to do it in your chair. This is between you and God, and I pray that you surrender those things to Him. Or if you're living a life like the expert of the law, I've been there, I know what that life's like. Perhaps you've become so caught up with the right and wrong of the law that you've actually forgotten the true message in it. Perhaps you know you should have handled certain situations d different, but you've justified your position on those situations and you've, and you've convinced yourself, no, it's all sweet, I'm cool. I've got every right to feel that way. If that's you, you know, use this time to surrender to God. Hand it over to Him. Ask for His forgiveness because he cares and he wants us to live a life that's full and complete and one that's loved so that we can go and do what the Good Samaritan did. Maybe you're the person who's laying on the side of the road in the story. Maybe you're in need of help. Perhaps if you're in that situation where you can't take it anymore and you feel like, I can't get through this. Perhaps if that's you, perhaps you found yourself robbed of who you are as a person. Perhaps you've Rob yourself of your own identity. If that's you and you're lacking meaning and purpose in life, I want to invite you. The front's open, but grab someone, talk to them. There's a whole heap of people here that will pray with you. If that's you, this is your day that you can turn that around. This is the day that you can surrender your life to Christ so that you can start to allow him to transform your life and start to find the value that God has for you. So please, if you need to spend some time up the front, it's open like always. But if you need to spend some time with God in prayer, I pray that you use this time, that you can surrender these things over to Christ.